Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman's Strut Report. And this one's quite special. This is our 100th episode we have produced in just over a year's time. It's absolutely blown us away. Didn't think uh, we'd be at 100 this quickly, but uh, it, it's finally here, guys. Uh, we just hit a new little milestone, 100 episodes. So that's absolutely awesome. We are super excited. Uh, kind of shows uh, how long we've come and how many hours upon hours of content that we've kind of produced over this last year and, I don't know, a year and um, two months, I guess. Uh, so it's been great, guys. It's been a great journey, and we are not slowing time, slowing down anytime soon. So, anyways, on this week's short report, to kind of make it kind of special since it is our 100th episode, which, guys, I kind of wish we would have saved a giveaway for this time. It would have been pretty legit for us to do a 100th episode giveaway, but we shall have a giveaway in the future, so don't worry. Um, anyways, guys, we are super excited because of that. Uh, we did a pretty legit shirt report uh we kind of went all out on this uh had a great group of people on for this week's episode and uh definitely i think you're really gonna enjoy it now, we cover quite a few states uh feel free if you want it at any time to kind of skip through and um you know kind of get to the states maybe you care most about but if you're really just looking for some really good content that i think was first of all gonna be really beneficial for you this is the episode for you I had eight guys on, and we covered, I believe, 11 states. Um, maybe that won't be correct. Maybe I think we covered 10 states. But nevertheless, uh, it was a great time with a great group of guys. Uh, some people that we had on here that you probably will know about um, is going to be uh, Shane Simpson from Calling All Turkeys. Uh, shout out to Shane. Always good to have him on, uh, coming and covering um, Wisconsin Force. And then we had old Garrett Frawl on from uh, DIY Sportsman covering Minnesota, which the day this drops, as y'all are listening to this, uh, I know Garrett will be out hunting in Minnesota, hunting in some snow, which I can't even imagine that right now, being 85 degrees down here in uh, all hot Atlanta. But uh, anyways, guys, got a, a great group of people on here. Uh, I'm trying to think. Let's see. The states we covered is Alabama. Kentucky, Arkansas, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, let's see, I believe I said, and then Oklahoma. Um, so pretty fantastic group of guys we had on here. Uh, really excited. Gr- a lot of great tips. You're going to learn a ton on this episode, guys. So definitely check it out. Stay to the end. Have fun with it. And uh, anyways, like always on the short report, it is brought to you by Houndstooth Game Calls. Again, big shout out to Houndstooth Game Calls. I really appreciate their support, uh, helping us out for this uh, year, helping produce this for you guys. Uh, They are absolutely key uh, to helping us uh, get out these episodes like we have been doing and really trying to do a good job with it and bring you guys some content that, first of all, not only that you enjoy, but you actually learn some stuff from, hopefully. Uh, Sure, I'm sure there's some uh, absolute turkey masters out there, but uh, as a a very uh, intelligent and very successful individual once told me, uh, you can never stop learning. Um, So I truly believe that. So... Again, guys, short report uh, brought to you by Houndstooth Game Calls. Really appreciate them. Uh, also, make sure you check out their calls. If you have not already bought one of their calls, guys, definitely you need to check out the KB Hen. KB Hen or the Vixens, absolutely our two favorite mouth calls. You need to try them, okay? Try one out, see how you like it, especially uh, in these states that we still get, you know, a couple, you know, at least a couple weeks left, except for Arkansas, unfortunately. But, uh, 
Anyway, so it should turn out quite well for you guys. But anyways, check out Houndstooth Game Calls at their website, uh, which is houndstoothgamecalls.com. You can always check them out on Instagram and Facebook as well. Always producing some pretty cool content along with their awesome calls. But uh, definitely check out the uh, KB Hen or the Vixen on their website. Definitely try one out. See how you like it. Uh, but anyways, guys, on this week's episode, it is going to be a good one. It's going to be a long one, but it's going to be a good one. Definitely uh, stay tuned to the end. I think you're going to enjoy it. And uh, especially if you are planning on either doing an out-of-state turkey hunt or you've always thought about it, uh, definitely stay to the end. Uh, we get into some really good stuff at the very end with Jared Lowe uh, from Alabama, uh, who's that turkey slayer, him and his wife, Cantrell. And they travel around the United States every year, uh, hunt anywhere between five to eight states a year as a married couple. And he leaves some awesome advice for us for doing out-of-state hunts. So stay tuned for that, guys. But I will stop rambling on. And uh, thanks again for listening to our 100th episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. Uh, Monday's episode is going to be fantastic as well, guys. So make sure you tune in for that. But also make sure, guys, you are, first of all, you already liked our Facebook page. Make sure you follow us on, on Instagram, again, at the Southern Outdoorsman, and then on our YouTube channel. Guys, we've got an awesome YouTube channel, growing some content. Got a lot of cool stuff coming out soon on the YouTube channel, so make sure you check it out. It's at the Southern Outdoorsman. Uh, definitely check that out. And then also, guys, if you enjoy this, I mean, our 100th episode, one thing I would love to ask everybody uh, to try to do is leave us a review. Uh, we absolutely love seeing some of your guys' reviews. Plus, the cool thing about y'all's review, when you leave it, uh, especially on iTunes, it really helps us uh, be able to reach more more people more people be able to find out about the podcast and we appreciate that guys so feel free on whatever platform you listen on to leave us a review we really would appreciate it also feel free to reach out to us if there's anything that you'd like for us to cover that maybe we haven't you haven't heard yet uh we'd love to kind of go over some of that stuff i got some really cool things we're gonna be going over uh late spring early summer i think a lot of people are gonna like um a couple other announcements i think we've got um Andrew, I think we announced. Uh, so we're going to be going out west this year for elk in Colorado. So first off, if anyone has experience hunting out west, and at least in Colorado for elk, feel free to reach out to us. We've had a couple of buddies that's been uh, kind of helping us out, uh, helping not only necessarily really looking at units, which I could care less about looking at units, but really the do's and the don'ts of going out there. And then uh, I'm planning on going back to Wyoming uh, for deer, both uh, whitetail and mule deer, um, I think in November, first week of November. Uh, so it's going to be me and a couple buddies. Andrew, unfortunately, will not be able to go. That sore loser. Oh, so sad. But is what it is, guys. So it's going to be a fun year. But anyways, leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the Southern Outdoorsman. And guys, enjoy this week's short report. All right, guys, and first on the line, we have Gavin Brown coming in from South Carolina. Gavin, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. How about you? Doing excellent. Uh, you know, with uh, y'all season just kind of coming in uh, really not too terribly long ago, uh, you know, kind of give us a rundown real quickly. How's your season been, especially with you hunting, you know, some public land? Yeah, so South Carolina season opened uh, for private on March 20th and opened public, I believe, April the 1st. Um the season uh when the when season opened on march 20th um the birds i was hunting on private were still uh, very flocked up uh i really uh the first week i didn't hear any you know gobbling off the roost um i did uh have a pretty good hunt on the uh, i think it was the 27th um i, I had a bird gobble on his own about 8 30 and um 
had a he had a hen. He had, it was actually ended up being two birds and had a hen with her with with him. And uh, they came in to about sixty yards and were had gone quiet. And so I'd gone quiet with them. And then about that time, uh, about four or five deer stepped out at fifteen yards. And uh, once they got my wind, that uh that uh ended that hunt. The woods went quiet. And uh, after that, when public land opened, the birds had were you know real hinned up. Um, I called in you know some hens. Uh, in the afternoon, but, uh, it's, it's been kind of slow. Um, most of the hunters I'm talking to, it's just been a, a, uh, a pretty slow start the season. Um, so yeah. Well, yeah, let's uh, kind of jump right into this week's episode. Now, first off, it seems, so there's a little joke for everyone out there that follows us on Instagram. It seems like you should have had some dead down wind to keep those deer from uh, busting yeah. you during turkey. Yeah. <laughs> I might, might want to break those things. I might want to, uh, put in, what's that, uh, permithium or whatever for ticks and start spraying down before, uh, yeah, that, that's the worst thing when you hear, well, it was, it was exciting because I thought I had a bird coming in on my right, and I was like, oh, he's slipping in, and then that deer stepped out, and you're like, oh, this isn't going to end well, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's hilarious. I feel bad for the marketing crew over at Dead Down Wind for something they posted earlier in the season. But, anyways, <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of skip ahead a little bit. Um, yeah. So let's kind of jump right into this report. So, Gavin, kind of give us a little update on over this last week or so. You know, how's the gobbling activity been for you? Uh, you know, especially again in, in the last week or so, and how has it changed since maybe the beginning of season? Well, I think it's it's kind of where I expect it to be more around the the first. Uh, to maybe 5th of April where the, the birds are gobbling, uh, more up in the day. Um, uh, they have started, um, and a lot of this is compiled from other people I've talked to. They're gobbling a lot more on the ground. Um, uh, uh I'm starting to see more hens. Uh, the, I had an old person tell me one time when you see hens crossing the road, when you're driving, you know, around, uh, that's when, you know, and, uh, so I've seen a lot more hens that are alone. Um, but yeah, the gobbling activity is still not as where I would like for it to be, but um, they are starting to to ramp up a little bit more. All right, on now mm-hmm. from what you've been seeing over the last week or so, compared to early in the season, you know how has everything been when it comes to birds being flocked up right now or hinned up? I think they're still hitting the ground and getting with hens. Um, now, whether or not that's that they're you know they're still breeding, I don't know, but there's there's um, they're definitely still roosting near them. Um, I mean, obviously they're not flocked up, but they're not towards what's what we can can sometimes see towards the end of our season where you'll have birds starting to group back together and, and it can be really fun. Last year, I mean, I remember the first of May I had uh, gobblers with running with Jake's again. So uh, they're kind of in that phase where the hens are starting to, you know, stay around their nest and, and they're uh, they're starting to get alone uh, earlier in the day than than back when they've got a lot of hens and they're breeding. Hope that makes right, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's fantastic to kind of see that change. Now, mm-hmm. have you seen any maiden food source that these turkeys are really focusing on right now, or is it relatively still sporadic as, you know, green-ups happening? I, I just uh, – I was just talking with a buddy about this the other day. Uh, a lot of the guys are starting to cut their their hay, and, um, and that will – I think the turkeys will start working out there and, and getting a lot of bugs. I hunt some private land that was thinned last year and I was uh, hunting that on Tuesday and I noticed there was a lot of bugs around um, and I bumped a hen off her nest there. So I think that at this point, I think that food sources are, it's kind of hard to know what the turkeys are eating. Um, if I had to say one thing, I would say it's whatever's convenient. 
Um, if you've got cow pastures, they're going to be out there flipping those cow patties for bugs. Um, if they've cut hay, they're going to be out there looking for stuff. Um, I uh, Some of the public spots, they did have a better mass crop. I, I haven't seen any fresh scratching in there like I did at the beginning of the season. So um, I don't really know if they're still traveling through there. Um, but, yeah, I would say it's it's not really something I could put a finger on. But those are some things I know the turkeys are hitting. Now, when it comes to tactics, uh, what you've been doing this year over the last few years has really kind of helped you out. Uh, you know, what's a couple of tactics going into this time of the season? You're, you're looking at the last half of April, you know, going into May. You know, what tactics are you using during this time frame to hopefully be able to get on some birds and be able to tag out uh, in South Carolina? I've had really great success with um, getting tight to the roost and being the first hen on the ground. Um, I use a, you know, a turkey wing and, um, uh, when that, after that gobbler's gobbled a couple of times, I like to give him a couple of soft yelps. If I'm, if I'm real tight, I mean, like a hundred yards, I'll take that wing and scratch it on the, the tree a little bit. And if he turns towards me, I'm going to go ahead and just, if it's, if it's light enough where a turkey would fly down, I'll go ahead and flap that wing. Um, and then I'll go quiet, maybe scratching the leaves and, and just wait them out. I've, I've killed a lot of turkeys in the later season doing that. Um, it can, you know, sometimes they've got a destination in mind and they go the other way. But a lot of times it's, if I'm tight to a bird like that, that'll, that'll kill them. Whereas in the early season, if I'm the first 10 on the ground, a lot of times it, it just doesn't seem to work as well. So, yeah. Got you. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think that's really useful, especially if you can mm-hmm. get in there on a bird. Now I've got to ask, you know, real quickly uh, during that, t- for that tactic to work, are you roosting birds? Or are you going to places that you know they normally roost and you're kind of slipping in there waiting for one to gobble and then try to get close? Or are you pretty much listening for him to gobble first, hopefully in the dark, and then for you to be able to slip in on him? Um, a lot of times um, uh, with public land, there's especially some of the spots that I hunt a lot. I know the, uh, I know the, you know, the, the knobs in the hardwoods where the birds like to be. And on my private land, I've been hunting one place in particular for, almost 10 years um you just know where the you know where the turkeys are going to roost um and and i think guys that are like me you know you just know the oak tree down there where the where the road bends that's just gobblers are going to be in there and um and i and and usually you know they've they've moved to that area but a lot of times i I can't tell you the number of times where i've just said i'm going to slip in tight to you know this spot and a turkey gobbles and i plop down on the tree that i'm standing next to and and then, you know, in 30 minutes, he's flopping. So that's happened to me a lot. Well, right on now, Gavin, kind of wrap up this report. You know, what's a typically the listeners of something maybe you've done year in, year out that's really kind of helped you get through the season, especially make it to the last half of the season? I mean, I hear so many stories and so many guys give up after the first half because it gets too hot. They don't want to deal with the bugs, the snakes, and everything else, and they're not having any luck. You know, what's a tip you give them to kind of, you know, help them be a little more successful? Well, uh, I think the last half of the season is the best time, in my opinion. Um, I think, uh, number one, it's not cold. Um, there's just something about getting out of the truck when it's 40 degrees. It's just not fun to me. I like it when it's warm. Uh, I like when the leaves are full on. You can you can really push that. Gosh, I don't know who said it one time. Uh, uh, you know, you can push that that bubble that that turkey's in with the with the leaves green out. Um, I've killed more of my turkeys have been in the last half of April. Um, a lot of times it's just, I, I need many opportunities to kill turkeys. 
Um, I, I'm going to probably mess them up a couple of times before I finally kill them. So I, I would say this is the time where you kind of just got to look yourself in the mirror and say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of almost the season started again. It's today's April you know, 18th. The season, this is opening day. I have to think of it that way. Um, man, I've, I've changed calls. I've, I've, you know, uh, I've done anything I can to just get myself in a new headspace, especially this is the time of year where I'll start finding that turkey that I want to spend the rest of my season and try to kill. Um, 2017, I got on a bird and I, I hung out with him for uh, a week. And, um, and that's, I love it. I love it because they're a little bit more predictable. So yeah, I'd, I don't want to ramble, but I will say that if you if you don't hunt this time of year, it's you're missing out. I mean, they will they will gladly sacrifice themselves a whole lot quicker than they will the turkeys. I mean, they will gladly sacrifice themselves a whole lot quicker this time of year than they will early season. So right on. I mean, I Mm -hmm. I kind of believe that, you know, I've always seen it gets better as the season progresses, especially the last half of uh, pretty much any season in the southeast. The last two uh, so, years, the last two years, May first through the fifth, has been like the the turkey mornings you dream. I mean, just goblin, goblin in the dark, you know, just fired up. And um, and yeah, and and I will say for public land, I'm not going to tell you where I hunt in South Carolina, but I will tell you that I have driven four or five forest roads in a day and not seen a truck. Um, you know, most people start fishing or they just get bored with it, and that's when you can really you know have i mean i have had places to myself uh, and that's and that's a lot of fun go right on well gavin man we appreciate you coming on for this week's episode and being part of our 100th episode man so appreciate uh, what thank y'all you are doing i think this is a great thing and uh, i'm looking forward to my uh 100th anniversary or 100th episode gift in the mail oh. i'll text you my address <laughs> awesome brother awesome all right man well we appreciate it and uh good luck the rest of the season best of luck to you man take care all right guys and next on the line we have joe ham coming in from florida and he's with uh, actually the owner of hunter's addiction custom call so joe how you doing i'm doing well how are you doing today doing great but not as well as you are uh since you just tagged out in florida <laughs> so that's uh yeah. that's a pretty good place to be if i had to guess that's right it is it is and it didn't take very long either, so we've had a had a one great trip, great trip. Well, fantastic. Well, kind of jumping right into this report, you know, what's the gobbling activity y'all have been seeing and hearing over the last three days or so since you've been down there? Man, these birds are gobbling their brains out. I mean, they are on fire wide open right now. Um, the um, hens are leaving the gobblers, and you go to the wood lots and stuff like that, and even out in the pastures and all that, the birds, I mean, are, are just wearing it out. They're gobbling like, I mean, like crazy. Now, you stated that the uh, hens are kind of leaving the gobblers. Is that kind of kind of going to our second question? Are you pretty much seeing uh, really nothing having to do with, uh, you know, turkeys being henned up right now, gobblers being henned up or flocked up? The, the turkey, the birds, the birds are not henned up right now bad at all. Uh, we've been seeing hen, uh some a lot of hens crossing the fields by themselves going nesting and and uh they're the a lot of gobblers have been by themselves we've been seeing a lot of gobblers roaming looking for hens and uh like i say they some of them are, are look have, have some hens with them in the morning but on up in the day uh man they're out looking and if you uh, you get in a little wood lot and call 
uh, they're ready. I mean, they're they're looking for hens. So the hens are the hens are definitely nesting here now, laying and nesting. So uh, they're not really hinned up at it all right now. All right, perfect. Now, kind of getting the food sources, which is our third question. You know, is there any food source that you saw any of these birds kind of focusing on right now uh, at this time of the season, or is it kind of just still sporadic? I've been seeing a lot of gobblers out in the fields, out in the open fields. Um, but we've been pulling up to some uh, some woodlots uh, and and just and just casting calls out in the woodlots and and about every woodlot we pulled up into. Uh, uh, run a series of calls and have a gobbler answer. So, like I say, we've had um, we pulled up into probably fifteen or twenty woodlots, and and almost every one of them had a gobbler to gobble. So, but you know we got a two limit here, so you know it, I've killed my two, so we're, <laughs> we're leaving leaving some for seed. Awesome. Well, perfect. Well, and kind of getting to the meat and potatoes of uh, this report. From Florida, you know, what's a tactic that was really working for you guys down there when you are hunting these oscillate? Oh my gosh, I can't even talk. Ocel- not oscillated. Osceola. Osceola. Holy cow, guys. I'm struggling <laughs> today. But uh, what tactics are really working for you guys down there? I just, I tell you, they the way these gobblers are now with the hens leaving them, uh, we see them out, we've been seeing them out in the, out in the fields and watching them. And uh, if they, they go in those woodlots and behind the fields. Or get or get in the on the back side of those fields and and call them across the field. That's what what I did this morning. Or like I say, just pull into those woodlots that are uh, behind the fields and stuff, and just and just calling and and they they just been responding. I mean, like I say, they uh, and just you know mostly just ride around and, and the, the property you you've got permission to hunt and and uh, and look look and. and try to see the gobblers and if you see them out in those fields if you can slip around behind those fields and and, uh, and get in the edge of the woods that you normally you know if you call they're they're coming i mean right now they're coming they're coming and they'll come running too oh fantastic now kind of get to the fifth and final question you know what's a tip you'd leave the listeners of something maybe you know you've done year in year out that's really helped you being successful especially as many states as you travel around the country to hunt uh, you know, what's a tip you'd leave the listeners that maybe help them out for the rest of their season that they can implement? Well, I, I think I think where people mess up is they give up they give up too quick. Yeah, they get they get in there in the morning and uh, and they don't they don't hear a bird gobble right off the bat six or seven eight I mean eight o'clock eight thirty something like that. Then then they're ready to go. They hadn't heard anything. They're they get discouraged and they're ready to go. And I, I kill a lot of my turkeys in the right dead in the middle of the day. They, they, the, the birds, you know, may not want to get cranked up in the mornings. They, the hens may, they may get separated from the hens. And, and I'll, I'll cast a call or just a turkey or just gobble out of the blue at a crow or whatever. Then you move over there on them, call them up and kill them. Uh, it's just like when I got, I got, I was telling you, I got off the, I got off the plane yesterday here at 10:58. Uh, took my uh, luggage and all and, and put it up, got changed, went down to a woodlot, uh, run a, uh, run a, got the black shadow mouth call and, and, and did a cut on the black shadow mouth call, had two birds gobble, went around the woodlot on him and called and, and a third bird gobbled to the right. When he gobbled, the other two shut up. So he was the dominant bird. And 15 minutes later, after after running a series of calls, he gobbled all the way in, or walked right up in my lap and we killed him. So, like I say, it's uh, 
if you can get them, if you can hang in there with them and not leave and and get them gobbling in the afternoon, you've got a whole lot better chance of killing them than, than you do in the mornings most of the time. Because they're, that means if they're gobbling in the afternoon, they, they, they're looking, they're, they're looking, you know, they're, they're not, you know, a lot of times they'll be hand up and they'll gobble every now and then just to just just courtesy gobble because they got hands with them but a lot of times they they, they might got separated from the hands or the hands you know left them or whatever if you can get them gobbling in the evening you can, you can kill them i'd say tell people to you know stay and stay and hunt longer and and give them a, give them a chance in the afternoon i i like hunting in the afternoons well perfect i mean i know a lot of the true turkey killers that i know kill a ton of turkeys in the afternoon you know, I think one reason is, especially, you know, there's all there's not many hunters in the afternoon. And again, you can finally, you know, find these turkeys that are kind of separated up, kind of like what you've been seeing. Uh, so that's awesome, Joe. I mean, that was a great report from Florida, and we do appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, uh, you told me right before we got on that you're heading out to Colorado next uh, in yeah, May. Yeah. So uh, good luck out there. We'll probably have to have Thank you, you on and, uh, yeah, kill Thank you a you. high elevation, high altitude turkey up there. Oh, yeah. We went up there last year, and we all tagged out up there last year, so I Got high hopes for going out, leaving out on May the fifteenth through the nineteenth, and hunting Colorado. So, hopefully, I'll get that one, and I'll, that'll give me a slam in one year this year. So, it'll be the first time I've done that. So, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I sure appreciate you having me on, and uh, good luck to you too. All right, guys. And next online, we have Garrett Frawl coming in from Minnesota, which is otherwise known as the DIY Sportsman. Dude, what's going on? How's it going, man? Dude, it's well relatively going well uh, a little bit warmer down here than where you're at uh, but still haven't killed a turkey so i think we're kind of pl- even playing ground right now uh, gotcha so let's kind of jump right into this week's episode so we got you coming in representing minnesota you know y'all season comes in tomorrow is that correct well technically it's already started for the first season um, but i'll be going out tomorrow for my first day all right got you perfect well you know, this is something that I like to kind of implement throughout the year is kind of add more guys from across the country, like in your area, that can kind of add value to it. So kind of jumping straight into this, since you haven't been hunting yet, but you've been doing some scouting, uh, you know, what's the gobbling activity you've been hearing in person, but maybe also from other guys up there from where you're hunting? Uh, you know, is it kind of high? Is it kind of low for this time of year? Or what are you experiencing? I guess from what I've seen so far, and mostly it's been just kind of evening locations, not necessarily doing a whole bunch of listening in the early mornings. It seems pretty typical, uh, meaning there, there's usually not a whole ton of gobbling yet this time of year. And I think that's been you know pretty consistent. But when you usually do find uh, some birds, you can usually get them to gobble, which I think is you know pretty standard. All right, perfect. Well, and kind of getting to question number two from what you've been seeing, especially on your scouting trips, is do you think right now the uh, turkeys are pretty flocked up uh, still? Maybe in winter flocks are you know relatively hinned up, or do you think they've already started to separate uh, as season's kind of coming in? It seems like they're right now in smaller flocks or smaller groups of, you know, like five to ten birds, give or take. Uh, that's kind of what I've been hearing so far. I hear usually between like one and four gobblers, um, in any given location, and usually there's some hens along with them. All right, fantastic. Well, kind of going to question number three, is there is there any major food source, you know, in the areas that you hunt in Minnesota that these turkeys are going to be focusing on for this year or this time of the year, or is it still pretty sporadic as green up kind of happens or slowly comes up? You know, it'll just kind of be kind of hit or miss on what they're feeding on. Yeah, I mean, really there's nothing green to speak of right now, at least not in the big woods. Um, it seems like there's – a lot of foraging going on a lot of you know leaves kicked up where turkeys are spending time and 
some of those areas with a lot of big oak trees where there's still kind of some acorns buried. It seems like they're spending a lot of their time there right now, at least until some of the fields start to get a little bit more greened up. Awesome. No, kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this report coming in from Minnesota once again. Uh, you know, what's some tactics that you, first of all, have used in that past, but something you're going to be focusing on for this weekend on, you know, being able to locate turkeys, but also be able to hurt, hunt them in the early season when they are still in these relatively, you know, they're smaller flocks, but it's still, you know, if you're dealing with, you know, eight to 10 birds, that's, that's still dealing with a good size flock. You know, what's a tactic you use for early season to hopefully be able to get on birds and maybe have some success early on? Yeah, so I mean, really locating them is pretty key for me right now, just because, you know, the places where I hunt, there's a lot of land and those birds can be spread out a lot and hunting pressure can have a big impact on where they might be day to day. So if I can find birds the night before, that gives me a huge head start for the next day. And so I'll typically like to try and uh, roost birds every night if I can uh, to be able to give me that first head start. And then if I can at least have a, a good bearing, I might not be able to get on those birds that day, but I'll have an idea of an area that I can kind of more narrowly uh, dedicate my search the next few days. Perfect. Well, kind of getting to the uh, last part of this or last leg of this report, what is a tip you'd leave the listeners? Uh, maybe a tip that you might would give them for hunting up in, you know, the North woods and North country kind of in uh, the upper United States, but also, you know, maybe something that might apply across the country. Uh, what's a tip you'd give to somebody that maybe help them, uh, you know, get into their season, especially with you guys kind of starting a little bit later in the year compared to some of us Southern states. Uh, you know, what's a tip you'd give to somebody to maybe hopefully help them have some success this year? Sure. Well, you know, where I'm hunting right now, and it's going to vary obviously a lot within the state, just depending on if you're hunting agriculture or non-agriculture. But if you're hunting in some of these bigger tracts of public land where there's not much ag, the good big tip that I would give is to try and get off the beaten path and or try and get away from the roads when you're trying to locate birds. Uh, just about all of the gobblers that I've located so far scouting this season have been a significant walk away from the actual main road that a lot of guys are just driving up and down and trying to locate birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's huge. I think that's a huge part, especially early in the season, because, yeah, you do have so many guys that just want to kind of run roads. I mean, we see that time and time again, especially hunting Alabama and Georgia. You know, you could be, you know, sometimes it doesn't take you that far to be able to get off a road to get away from people, but you can hear cars driving up and down gravel roads, stop, crow call, you know, stop owl yep. hoot, stop, use a box call, whatever. And uh, we've definitely seen turkeys shut up once that happens. Then once they drive off, they'll get fired up again. So uh, that's, that's a really good tip. And I think a lot of people, especially if you're hunting public land, can really take that to heart because it is true in a lot of cases. Um, so awesome, Garrett. Man, we appreciate it. Well, you got anything uh, anything else happening this spring other than turkey season? Got anything else planned? Or are you pretty much going to be chasing turkeys uh, up until, I guess, May? Well, it'll be. hopefully I can fill out this Minnesota tag within the next couple of days and there'll be some turkey hunting in Wisconsin. I still got a whole bunch of deer scouting yet to, uh, to get done before it starts to really green up. And then once that happens, I'll try to transition over to fishing. Awesome. Well, dude, that's going to be exciting. Well, once again, Garrett, man, we appreciate you coming on for this week's episode of the Strut Report and uh, good luck for your Minnesota season, man. Good luck. Thank you. All right, guys. And next on the line, we have Bennett Kittrell coming on from North Carolina. Bennett, how you doing, dude? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, not a problem. I mean, uh, it's kind of funny, you know, having you on for the strut report, but it about turned into a kill report since you just tagged out how long ago in North Carolina? Uh, about 45 minutes now. <laughs> yeah, right on, dude. That's awesome. So uh, that you're our first guy, I believe, we've had on from North Carolina, so it's kind of good to add that to the loop right now. 
But uh, since you're already tagged out, we're definitely got to talk to you about these topics. But uh, very first one I kind of want to jump in on this report from North Carolina is, you know, how's the gobbling activity been for you ever since season opened and especially over the last few days? Well, we've had uh, some pretty variable weather here. We actually had a frost two mornings ago, and it was 85 this afternoon. Um, so it's kind of got them out of a routine. Uh, before the season, they were gobbling. The week before the season, they were gobbling real hard in the roost. Uh, what I've noticed this week is it's been sporadic gobbling on the roost, but then you get to that later, late morning once they're on the ground, once their hens are gone. Um, that's when I've actually been seeing more gobbling uh, than uh, when they're actually on the limb. Right on. Now, are you seeing you know turkeys relatively hinned up right now? Are they pretty or flocked up, or are they starting to separate up uh, at this time of the season? Well, uh, I have seen both um, this morning. Um, when I went out uh, just driving through, I saw a couple groups of toms out there uh, strutting around with a bunch of hens. But when I was hunting last weekend, it seemed like the birds I was on last weekend were uh, um, pretty solo um, away from their hens. But uh, I would say that they're breaking up now from what I saw earlier in the season. Um, they're definitely this afternoon uh, when I killed my bird, it was a group of three toms and not a hen to be seen. And they were uh you know pretty 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 callable pretty workable at that point on the properties that you hunt on is there any major food source that these turkeys are kind of focusing on or is it still relatively sporadic uh, from what you've been seeing over the last week or so well they've been uh hidden uh back up in the woods um up under the hardwoods uh, a lot of scratching um i've noticed it started to green up they started to move out and start scratching in the soybean fields from last year um, anything with any sort of grass cover on it, um, you'll see scratches on the edges. Uh, we got a couple chufa plots on the um, farm, and those have been um, extremely hot pretty much since I uh, dissed them up um, a few weeks before turkey season. Uh, one of the chufa plots looks like uh, the crater of the moon right now. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I sat there yesterday morning and got bombarded by jakes, but uh, I didn't have enough time before work to wait out the toms, but I heard them gobbling off in the woods but yeah they've they've definitely been moving more and more into more open spots um i guess as it's starting to green up a little more now um that's kind of what i've been noticing but still hardwood open hardwood bottoms and uh um fields if you got any sort of grass any sort of leftover soybeans are out there bugging um and if you uh, get a good rain they'll be out there in the fields bugging real hard Right on. Now, kind of going into you know the meat and potatoes, as I've said on this uh, short report quite a bit on this ep- this week's episode. Uh, you know, what's a tactic that's really or tactics that are really working for you this season? That's first of all allows you to tag out relatively quickly, but also maybe something that you've done maybe in the past too that's really helped you. Well, uh, really from experience is don't get frustrated. Um, if you don't get them right off the roost, um, I was actually talking to a couple of my buddies after I shot my bird this afternoon. Um, I've killed more birds the last three years, uh, after nine 30 in the morning than I have before. Um, and my properties, uh, that I hunt, uh, here in North Carolina, we have a good amount of birds on them. And, uh, with that, there's a bunch of hens usually. So, you know, when they're roosted with their hens, it can be difficult to you know, sometimes they won't even gobble. You know they're there, but they won't even gobble. Um, but if you wait them out, uh, there's a good likelihood. I know everyone says it, but not not enough people do it. But that 9:30 period in the morning till you know all the way up through midday, um, and then beyond there, uh, if you get a bird to gobble, then there's a good chance he's coming in. 
Um, and as for decoys, I know I hear this a lot uh, with uh, just, you know, my hunting guys. Uh, what kind of decoys to use. Uh, the first bird I killed this year, I had a lay-down hen and then a uh, feeder hen, uh, just kind of trying to imitate what I've been seeing in that field. I've been seeing a few hens, and then uh, two times I've been working back there about midday. And uh, that, sure enough, that's what happened. And uh, one guy came right in, came right into that lay-down hen. Um, but um, I know a lot of people like to use Jake decoys, and I do too, especially later in the year. But I've been here, and they've been shying away from Jake decoys um, for the most part. Uh, yesterday morning, I hunted, and it looked like they went around my Jake decoy out there in the field. Um, I guess the last thing that's kind of worked this season, um, you know, a lot of people stick to the fields. It, yes and no. There's a time and place for it. If you're in the known strut zone, and they're coming out there to that field, obviously, if you know they're coming out there, I would set up there and wait them out. But if you're just out there on a wing and you're trying to find a bird, walk walk fire lanes, walk down paths, and try and strike strike up a gobble. Because early season, a lot of these birds are uh, hanging back in the woods. So, um, you know that that's where I've had a lot of action uh, so far this year. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I mean, that's kind of what I've heard from a, a couple other people as well, and especially what you were talking about. You know, kind of more the midday movement and the, really the midday gobble and getting on a bird. You know, maybe after hens have left them in the morning uh anyone that was listening to this episode a little earlier on we had another gentleman on uh, joe ham uh that was talking about the same thing you know he says he kills more birds you know midday you know after that nine ten o'clock hour they pretty much any other hour that uh of the day throughout his season he kills a ton of turkeys in a bunch of different states so that's oh, kind of yeah. good to see you hear the exact or hear you say the exact same thing oh yeah i call <laughs> 10 o'clock some magic hour if you get a gobble at 10 o'clock it's uh it's usually a suicidal bird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I've heard the same thing. Now, kind of jumping into the last part of this um, this report from North Carolina, you know, what is a tip you'd leave the listeners that's something maybe that's helped you out, you know, year in, year out, that maybe they can start implementing, especially since you said you've uh, been killing more turkeys in the last three years and pretty much any other time, you know, what's something that you'd give them as a tip that maybe they can start implementing? Well, kind of build off what I said earlier, don't give up if you don't give it on the roost. I know a lot of people want to go get breakfast, you know, go home, take a nap, um, come back out in the afternoon. Um, in my experience, that's a big mistake because that, that, that's when it gets real exciting there. Uh, when they lose their hands, if they, even if they're uh, with hands, you can still, if you strike a bird up um, and uh, you can uh, – you know, get that gobble, you know, there's a good chance he comes in. And uh, I guess the other thing, too, that I've learned uh, over the course of the years, um, especially dealing with hen-up gobblers, is if you know the bird's on with hens, even if you get that uh, bird struck up, uh, he ain't going to leave those live birds to come to you. Um, that is just not going to happen. Um, I kind of call it, like, his, uh, his circle of... Uh, I guess circle of familiarity. Like he, he's not gonna leave that area with those hens walking around. But if you can get inside that circle, if you can make that move, um, a lot of times he will come to you. So you know, usually if it's about a hundred yards, you gotta work with your terrain, um, especially if you're in real open area like uh, open thin hardwoods or thin pines where burns been done or something. If you can get inside of that bird circle, um that that's really the only way to beat him if he's got hens around um 
but making that extra move is one of the things I know is one of the hardest things to do in turkey hunting. A lot of people hear that bird gobble. They want to sit down and think he's going to come right in. Um, if you sit down there long enough and you can tell where he's gobbling, um, you, you need to be able to make that split second decision and say, I need to go, I need to go get on this bird. He ain't coming over here, but I've seen more times fall for it when you act like a hen that has gone and is chasing him. He'll come back and try and find you if, if you get inside that little, his little bubble, so to say. But, uh. Yeah, that, that's really one of my favorite things is if you strike out first thing in the morning, um, you know, walking through the woods trying to get one struck up midday uh, or mid-morning to midday, um, and then playing that bird out, um, that, that's really my biggest thing. And then also, uh, I'm, I know everyone says this, but I'll, I'll reiterate it, scout, 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 scout. You need to know what that bird's doing in the morning. You need to know where he's going in the midday and then you need to know where he's going uh, before he goes back to bed. Um, I know roosting a tom's great, but knowing where that tom goes beyond that roost is absolutely crucial. Because if I strike out in the morning, I already got a plan B and a plan C. Um, and usually plan B and plan C are just as productive as right off the roost. So um, my, my scouting is critical. I mean, it, if you don't know where those birds are going, it, it can be very tough, but if you got an opportunity to spend some time out in the woods week before turkey season, um, I'll always try and spend two or three mornings out there listening and then um, even a full day out there just trying to pattern them out. But what, if you get them on that pattern early season, they'll usually stick to that pattern. Now, later later in the year, those birds, once they lose their hens, they get real fired up. Um you know, obviously they'll, they'll traverse more land, but that first week, if you got a bird patterned out, there's a good chance you're going to be able to kill them if you know what that pattern is. No, oh, that's perfect. I think that's a great way to kind of, you know, someone can kind of implement that. I've heard that from other guys. Is not only scouting key, but also again trying to focus on that midday bird. You know, mm-hmm. don't go home. Don't, you know, don't throw in the towel after nine o'clock if you can't get anything to happen. Um, you know, I've, I know too many mornings. Or I'll give an example because we had a morning like this in uh, North Alabama where you have seven birds on the roost just burning it up until about 7.30, and then they fly down and they shut up, and then after an hour, you know, nothing's happening, you kind of get up and walk off. And that's what we did, which was stupid. I'm sure if we would have sat in there because, you know, we had seven birds probably within 400 yards of us all the way around us, some closer than that, probably would have sat there for two or three hours, probably would have had some birds work through there, especially since uh, definitely once they were gobbling a little bit on the ground, they definitely heard us, uh, but I'm sure they were pretty, you know, hinned up for that area, and probably would have circled back through there later on in midday, kind of looking for those two hens that he, you know, they probably heard later on uh, that morning. So, now I think that's a great, great tip that someone can really try out, especially during this time of the season. Um, you know, this is the time, especially, you know, North Carolina just came in, but, uh, you know, Alabama is very much in the uh, second half of the season. Mississippi's the same way. And a lot of people are either giving up right now. And if you hunt public land, that's a good thing because you have a lot more free room to roam, a little less hunting pressure. And also a little bit green on the trees. But, uh, yeah, stay midday and maybe try to kill you a midday or a late afternoon bird. So, uh, Bennett, that was fantastic, man. We appreciate you for coming on this week. And uh, I would say uh, have uh, have some more success and uh, good luck the rest of your season. But uh, I don't know what you got planned now other than maybe taking a buddy or two. <laughs> Might have to do a road trip now. <laughs> right on, dude. Yeah, go to Virginia. Yes, All right, sir. Dude. Well, well, brother, we appreciate it. And uh, stay safe. we see you. All right, appreciate it. All right, guys, and next on the line, we have Shane Simpson coming in from Wisconsin. Mr. Calling All Turkeys, dude, what's going on, brother? 
Yeah, not a whole lot. Just editing more videos. Trying to get yeah. them out the door. Yep, never ends. Never ends. It so. actually kind of ends because as soon as I finish this one on my daughter's hunt, then I'm, I'm, the deck is clear. I don't have any more footage uh, on hand to edit. I got okay. to gather and hunt some more. Oh, God, yeah. You got to get back out there. <laughs> awesome. Well, kind of jumping right into this uh, week's episode. Well, really, kind of an overview. What states, kind of, this is kind of off the top of my head, but what states have you already hunted this year? Uh, Florida, Nebraska, Mississippi, Tennessee, Wisconsin. Daggum. All right. You are on fire right now. So, all right. We'll kind of jump straight into this. And again, uh, Shane's going to be representing uh, Wisconsin, which, uh, what region of Wisconsin were you in again? Um, well, I live in Minnesota, but I, I I live in eastern Minnesota, and I hunt western Wisconsin mostly. So um, yeah, yeah. West, west central Wisconsin would be my area. Gotcha. So yeah, you're or hunting west central Wisconsin, which is perfect. That's fine. Um, well, kind of jumping right into this report, you know, right off the bat, you know, you were out there last week with your uh, daughter. Kind of give us an overview on what was the gobbling activity like for you guys last week. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, all, um, both mornings, we were doing the youth weekend this past weekend, and uh, the birds were on fire in the tree and on the ground. And um, But they were flopped up pretty good. It looked like, um, you know, every every bird was together. The jakes, the hens, the gobblers, they were, the long beards, they were all in a flock. We didn't see any, <clears throat> excuse me, we didn't see any individual birds. Now, we did have a, a small flock of, like, juvenile hens break off, but for the most part, all the birds were roosting together, and they were hanging together throughout the day. Yeah, so you kind of answered my second question, which is, you know, were they still flocked up, which kind of makes sense. Now, in your personal experience hunting Wisconsin, uh, what time of the year, what time of the season do you really start seeing them to start separating out and you start having more individual, you know, gobblers, lone gobblers? Well, it, it, it kind of backtracked this past week. Um, from reports of friends over in Wisconsin while I was traveling hunting other states, um, they were telling me, because we had a snowstorm that hit late last week, that the birds were starting to kind of break out and hang in certain areas, you know, as they break up in the spring. That snowstorm that lasted like two days here um, changed their pattern. They kind of went back to where they were hanging out like wintertime, you know. Um, but by Sunday, when we had temperatures in the 50s, or actually I think it got warmer in that Sunday, and a lot of snow was melting. We were seeing those birds return to the fields and, and areas that they had been seeing them hang out prior to the storm. So I think that was just a small hiccup that backtracked them slightly. But right now they're they're starting to kind of move across the countryside because if people are not familiar with this area up here. Um, turkeys up here will kind of yard up like deer do. I mean, they don't stay in one area of the woods all year round. When it gets tough and, and winter gets bad. They congregate in different areas. So you may go to areas where you hunt and see turkeys in the spring, and there's no turkeys in the winter. So in the springtime, they start, you know, uh, breaking up and going across the countryside or the county or whatever it is. Um, you're starting to see that now. Birds are returning to areas you normally see them in the spring, and they'll continue as the spring progresses into the next two or three weeks. Um, they should be fully dispersed um, into areas that you normally see them in spring. All right, now kind of going to third question, you know, is there any major food source at this time of the year that those turkeys are focusing on, or is it still relatively sporadic, or they're pretty much trying to find anything and everything that they can get their beaks on? Yeah, when there's snow on the ground, they typically just uh, they get whatever they can. They'll, you know, flop in the trees and get buds off the trees um, or on the ground where there's 
especially in fields where the snow is starting to melt, uh, uh, south-facing areas of fields that, that melt first, or or just the wind-driven snow is, is pushed the snow shallower there where they can scratch through the snow, or they'll go to the areas where the deer have already um, kind of hauled the snow away. Fields seem to be best in that situation when the snow is starting to melt. The woods still have pretty good uh, cover of snow in them, and so the fields are getting exposed first. So right now, fields are, are keying in, but um, most of the snow is melting away. I, I imagine north north of here is probably still some on the ground, but in this area in the south, it's all melted from that snowstorm this uh, past week. Um, you know, the, the fields are, are are good areas to concentrate on, like old-cut cornfields from last fall. But as the woods become available, those turkeys will get in there and start scratching around and look for acorns that weren't eaten in the fall before the snows came. All right, well, perfect. Well, kind of getting into, you know, tactic base of what was working for you guys last week. You know, jumping into tactics, what was something last week when you guys were out there that really kind of really worked for you? And what is something that, you know, if you were still hunting Wisconsin like this week, what was something you'd kind of keep on trying to do to be able to kind of, you know, get your birds? Um, I guess one of my favorite tactics when there's a lot of birds, excuse me, I'm trying to let my daughter in the house. Um, <laughs> she was locked up. One of the <laughs> one of the tactics that I try to use when the birds are still in big groups like this is to sound like multiple birds myself. Um, when you watch my daughter's video, when it goes live, you'll see me keeking, Jake yelping, in yelping. Sometimes I even throw a gobble in there, and I'm trying to sound like a group also, just to convince those other birds to kind of check us out. And um, that that tends to work anywhere in the country where I where I'm messing with birds in large groups. Well, see, that's something I was interested in because Garrett Frawl was telling me up in Minnesota where he's hunting, uh, I think starting tomorrow morning he'll be out there, is that, you know, they're in these smaller groups. They're still flocked up, but they're in groups of 8, 10, maybe 15, and, uh, you know, kind of sounding like a group of, you know, a group of birds yourself could definitely be, you know, an advantage in that kind of situation. So that makes perfect sense. Now, kind of jumping into uh, the final question for this week's report, uh, with you from Wisconsin, you know, what's a tip you'd leave the listeners that's something maybe you've done year in, year out, uh, maybe not only in Wisconsin, but maybe across the country that really they can try to implement themselves to have more success. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always something hard to come up with. What's a, a good tip and, um, that will help anyone. I guess it's, I don't know. I've given this now quite a bit and, and something I like to do a lot. And people have asked me about it, why I use just a single Jake decoy. I think, um, you know, people get hung up on, oh, how many decoys, what kind, should I use a strutter? I'm worried about a strutter scaring the birds, should I, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And it's all these variables. I've discovered that a single Jake seems to be, in my opinion, the most effective or, or all-around good uh, decoy setup, I guess you'd call it. Um, it doesn't tend to scare off birds. I haven't had really any problem with birds um, flaring away from it because it's a non-aggressive jake posture. Um, the thing with if you, a lot of people like to use like a single hen. The thing about that, you get a gobbler out there and he, if you got it where he can see it from the distance, it's a hen and he's displaying for it out of gun range. This hen doesn't make a move towards him. You know, he thinks, okay, maybe she's not interested and he just stays at his distance or he goes on about his way. If you've got a Jake out there and he can see that red, white, and blue head, he hears that hen calling, which is you hiding in the bushes or wherever you're hiding. 
he's like, I hear him. Now there's a competitor over there. I, I have to go in there to confront this competitor or to run this Jake off. You know, it, it forces him to get into gun range, engage it. And so if, if, if I was going to give a tip all around good tip that I think works anywhere, um, and would improve most people's chances of killing the gobbler or keeping them from hanging up, just go with a lone JP coin. It's less to carry and it, and it works really well. Now, one thing I was going to ask you, you know, bringing up the whole Jake, using one lone Jake decoy, have you ever had any situations, because I've heard this a little bit this spring, have you ever had any situations using that lone Jake and actually spooking uh, any kind of toms with that setup? Uh, I mean, have you ever had that experience? No, and that's what I mentioned earlier. It's not aggressive. I don't use, like, a strutting Jake. It's kind of a, I don't know, a quarter strut, I guess it would be. Um, I, it comes with like a four inch beard on it. I take scissors and just cut the beard off. The beard to me is useless on it. I mean, I don't think gobblers look at other gobblers and look at their beard length to tell whether they're a Jake or not. I don't think they look at the tail fan to tell whether they're a Jake or not. That's things that we know, not things that turkeys know. Turkeys know whether a bird is a Jake or not by knowing what, who that bird is. They can identify other birds by their, you know, by looking at them, just like we can identify people by their faces. They see um, a bird is just sitting there, and they, they see the colors. They realize it's a male, and it's, it's not strutting or anything. I guess that's the, the, the biggest thing. And the color of the head. And now, the color of the head could play a part in this. You know, I've seen gobblers that, with solid white heads that seem to be maybe the more dominant one. Um, but to get back to the root of your question, I can't, I can't recall any time or, or could tell definitively that because I had a male turkey out there, it, it scared a turkey off. I did have one occasion where a bird was running in. He should have been able to see my decoys from where he was at. I was filming another fellow, and he went into a low spot, and when he came up out of the low spot into gun range, he put on the brakes and, 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 and was kind of looking our way. I think he saw one of us and sitting at the edge of the field just inside the woods. Because he should have been able to see it was a male turkey from before he we went to the dip. So, I mean, other than that, I I have never had a bird flare away from just a single Jake decoy. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good tip then for somebody to definitely use that setup and kind of get in there and do that. And again, like you said, you know, it kind of keeps it light where you don't you're not carrying multiple decoys in. And one thing, I, I mean, I don't own any decoys right now. One reason because I don't feel like carrying all my camera gear, shotgun, and everything else with a decoy, especially in public. But, you know, especially if you're hunting someplace, whether you're hunting ag or just open hardwoods, you know, I definitely think that would be a huge factor to help close the distance and uh, also add more realism to your calling, uh, especially if you're not the greatest caller, which you definitely are, but definitely I am not the greatest caller. Oh, I'm not the greatest. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to me, by God, oh, my God. we should. I really would love to do like, like a calling competition on the podcast to show really how bad I am so people can feel that sorry for me. So, Shane, we to- I should just break out a mouth call right now. But, I think, uh, I, I think <laughs> look, uh, I know this ain't something for your report, but I think what would help a lot of people is if not necessarily try to be good at calling, you know, like really good, like a champion caller, mm-hmm. but try to, be, try to be somewhat good at a bunch of calls. I think what helps me most is not being able to call, it's being able to do multiple types of calls. You know, Kiki and Jake Yelp, gobbles, playing Yelps, cutting, you know, if you can do somewhat of a decent job at, say, six different calls instead of, like, two that I hear most people do, they either 
they yelp or cut or yelp and then yelp real fast like yelp 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 you know and then that's all mm-hmm. they have so then they they then they blame the turkey hanging up on oh he had hens or something a lot of times if you would just learn or, or practice and be able to mix up your calling that could help you substantially all right, perfect. Well, Shane, man, we appreciate you coming on for this week's episode. Uh, that was a great report coming in from Wisconsin. And, man, uh, good luck. I guess the next time you're going to be out, what's the next state you're hitting? Um, I have to work tomorrow and part of Saturday, and I'm headed down. I think I'm going to Iowa. I have a tag for Iowa good right now and one for Minnesota last till the end of the season, so I'm not in a big rush to, to fill it. I was – Going to go out this morning, but I stepped out the door at 2 a.m. because I had a two-hour drive or so to get to where I'm going. And it was kind of chilly, overcast, and windy with gusts over 30 miles per hour. And I was like, I'm not riding two hours to hunt in this. I'm a, I'll catch up on some editing. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, back to your question. Um, I have a Minnesota tag and an Iowa tag. Saturday afternoon, I'm going to one or the other. They're both near each other over the border. Um, I can hop back and forth, um, so I can fill one and then hop over the board and try to fill the other. If I get both those filled by Monday, I'm headed to South Dakota. So I got a bunch of hunts coming up real, real soon. Awesome. Well, perfect, Shane. Well, man, once again, we appreciate you coming on and uh, stay safe and uh, have fun in Iowa, man. That sounds like it'll be a good hunt. So good luck. I hope it's fun. It cost me enough. <laughs> <laughs> awesome brother well once again man uh good luck the rest of the season we'll have you back on and uh hopefully that editing will go good for you and get that video up sometime later tonight well, I, we'll see. I hope so. it, it seems to be doing something here things are moving around on my screen so i'm, I'm hoping that it means it's finishing up or i hope it's not about to crash <laughs> oh god yeah let's let's not worry about that hopefully that's not the case but uh again uh good luck with work good luck with editing and uh good luck with uh iowa brother good luck all right, appreciate it, man. All right, guys. And next on the line, we have William Jones from Unguided. And, uh, man, we are excited to have you on. Uh, I was kind of surprised to find out that you are with uh, Unguided. And uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, thank you for making me laugh uh, all fall long, especially with some of y'all's <laughs> duck videos because, dude, it is hilarious. I mean, the gay mallards, that's probably one of the, one of the, one of the best ones uh, I've heard or seen yet. So uh, right on with that, man. Um but William, let's kind of jump right into this week's episode. So, uh, guys, we got William coming on, and he's actually going to be representing Arkansas. Now, what region of the state, uh, William, do you kind of live and hunt in for the most part? Uh, I hunt. I've got uh, quite a bit of property everywhere from you know southeast, the very southeastern part of the Arkansas River where it dumps into the Mississippi, and I hunt all the way up into northern White County around Grizz Ferry Lake, and then you know west of Little Rock. So I, I pretty much cover every single region of the state there is besides the ozark mountains okay fantastic now kind of jumping right into this uh week's episode first off uh you are tagged out in arkansas so yeah. congratulations on that man uh from as what i've seen in the past at least this year it seems like everybody's complaining about low bird numbers but you were able to make it happen but you know kind of getting into it what was the gobbling activity like for you over the last you know week or so of season uh, and uh kind of give us a run through of that uh so uh, up until a youth hunt, youth hunt, uh, I think right before season, what season started on April 8th. So the 6th and the 7th of April was very strong. I told you earlier, I was actually talking to a, you know, a guy who had been turkey hunting for a very, very long time. He's a journal of it. He said that he had not heard gobbling activity like this since 1958. 
So it, it's definitely a situation with the rain and everything else. It's kind of, I don't know what it's done to the birds, but it's kind of shut them up. Hmm, okay, very cool. Now, kind of going to the second part of the question, um, you know, from what you've been experiencing, you know, throughout the season, how has the uh, birds been hinned up or have they been hinned up? Has that been an issue for you um, or have they pretty much separated out and you're finding much more, you know, lone gobblers? Uh, I wouldn't actually say that they're so hinned up. You know, we've had such an astronomical amount of rain recently. And like I said, everywhere from the Delta, uh, Delta areas and everything like that, it's actually pushed up a lot of the huntable land that I have where it's kind of shrunk the size of that. I would imagine it's pushed a lot of birds closer together. Uh, I've seen a lot of times without hens, but they've been silent. I mean, I people are saying low bird numbers, but this is the most amount of turkeys I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I hunted, I, I was tagged out within, I think, five days. I didn't get to hunt two days of that because uh, I had a newborn son. But, um, I mean, I saw quite a few birds. I saw a bunch of hens at the beginning, and I didn't see another hen uh, after the first day. Okay, right on. Now, you know, getting to question number three, is there, on the properties that you hunt, uh, is there any major food source that you saw uh, birds kind of feeding on that maybe there was something that they were targeting, or is it still relatively sporadic on where they're feeding? So I did see, you know, like I said, I did a lot of scouting before. I did see, uh, especially in the pine areas where I saw them consolidated the most, and I think that's because of the way things were lined out on those areas. With the flash flooding that we were having, was it really pushing the birds to the pines, congregating them a lot, and then as the waters receded, they were moving back towards those kind of oak flat areas. I really, I couldn't tell you what they were eating in there, but I saw them going back and forth continuously. Okay, right on. Now, you know, kind of get into another question, uh, question number four, which is, you know, what tactics were working for you uh, this season in something that maybe um, you kind of break it down for us? You know, what was working for you? Did you do anything different this season than what you've done in the past, especially just on tactics and also just how you've been hunting? Well, I mean, you know, first off, I, this is the first year I've ever uh, hunted with a longbow, and this is the first year I've ever had a quiet cat or like electric bike. And so those two things, you know, the, the longbow uh, kind of gave me, it kind of shrunk my hunting area. It took where I've got to have a shot guillotine broadhead. So I had to have a much more open area. And so I kind of had to find where these birds were roosting and where they were going to the day and finding, kind of really figuring out the travel patterns. So I had to do a lot of scouting. And then with quiet cat, I was able to actually get in there and listen more mornings and get closer to the birds. Uh, like I said, I mean, we had so much flash flooding and hard rains that my whole strategy was figure out where they're roosting, uh, figure out where they're going, and then if it rained the day or two before, figure out what wasn't flooded. Yeah, now kind of go over now, anyone that saw our Instagram post, by the time you know this episode drops, uh, our Instagram post about uh, all of our reporters has already been posted. But uh, anyone that saw the photo of you with your quiet cat and your setup on that, can you kind of explain a little bit of how you have your bike set up? First of all, explain the model, the one you have that kind of like folds up and everything, but explain how you have everything attached to it. Cause I think it's really fascinating. I mean, I saw the first thing I saw when I first yeah. looked at it, I'm like, man, he's got scubbards on his freaking bike for a freaking <laughs> bow, shotgun, yeah. blind, everything. I mean, it's, it's awesome. So kind of break that down for us real quick. Well, I, I want to say the first off thing with Arkansas is you have a 15 day season. And then it's April. We have a lot, like I said, flash flooding. So you can shrink a 15-day season to maybe four to five days of good weather. And then that's the opportunity that you have to hunt those. So you realistically have two or three do, two or three days to hunt in Arkansas. So even though I'm hunting with a longbow, it's just that I figure I get three opportunities this season to kill a turkey. 
So I need to carry a shotgun. I have a two inch PVC pipe uh, ratcheted to the side. And then I got six inch PVC pipe on the other side for a cut and run blind. And, uh, you know, the difference between a compound and a longbow is around 20 to 24 inches and in overall length of it. So you can't shoot from a, your butt on the ground. You have to kind of be raised. So you have to have some type of barrier to kind of hide yourself. So I've got that rhino cut and run blind, uh, goes on the side. Uh, I video every single hunt that I have. So I carry a bunch of equipment with me. The bandit, uh, like I said, I've got everything strapped to the back. It allows me to get in there pretty quickly. Listen, it's almost like a run and gun style with a bow, as close as you can get with a run and gun style with a blind and a bow and a camera. And so I set the cut and run blind up, throw the bike behind me, throw a burlap over it, sit over the back tire. And uh, it takes me about two and a half to three minutes to set up and I can move it pretty quickly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, the one thing I noticed is like, I'm like, this guy has the setup. I didn't know when I first saw it. I'm like, man, I don't know if this guy's hunting publicly or privately, but I'm like, that would be, would be an awesome publicly and setup the way yeah. you have it rolling right now. Uh, but let alone just be able to stay mobile and be extremely quiet when you're going through the woods. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Now, kind of getting to the uh, the last part of this uh, report, you know, kind of give us what's what's a tip you give the listeners. Uh, so maybe something you've done year in or year out that's really kind of helped you be successful that maybe they can implement as well this season or maybe for next year as well. Well, I mean, you know, honestly, Arkansas, it is, like I said, 15-day season is your biggest issue. You know, a lot of other seasons you have an archery season. You have at least uh, – you have a good bit longer of a season. I had never really put in the effort before in the scouting because honestly, I've got enough property to where I can ride around two days and go find a bird and you know at least kill one in Arkansas uh, with a shotgun. But you know, having a bow or anything like that, and like I said, my area to hunt shrunk so much is that the biggest thing I can tell you, you've got a short season like that, or you're not able to hunt as much, is that you really, really need to be using the uh, preseason time to figure out where they are and where they're roosting. And that, that's the biggest difference that I've seen on in Arkansas, the guys who have killed turkeys and the guys who haven't. Guys who are all limited out by or tagged out by now have been listening for you know two to three weeks before, have the birds scouted out, know where they're roosting, where they're going to, and the guys that haven't killed anything yet are the guys that showed up on opening morning and just went and tried to listen yeah, and actually the guy I had on last week that covered Arkansas, uh, Aaron Dorflinger, he did the same thing. Now, he hunts a lot public, and uh, but he's been you know really scouting hard in public, and he killed a bird uh, within the first couple of days of season. And uh, he's been at him hard and <clears throat> had other opportunities, but he's now hunting out of state. But uh, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's one thing we've seen with a couple of people we've had on for this week's episode is, you know, scouting is huge. And that's one thing I'm guilty of. I do not scout enough, whether I'm hunting public or private for turkeys, which most time it's it's public, but still – you know, not knowing really the whole pattern of what these birds are doing, especially early in the season when they are kind of still, you know, doing their own thing. But even later on in the season, I mean, they still have their places they'd like to go every day. And, you know, putting that time in to kind of figure out what's going on is, is absolutely key. Uh, well, so I think that's fantastic. And, and then also you've got to be able to max. I mean, like I said, Arkansas, it all goes back to a short season is maximize your range. I know we were talking about earlier on the quiet cat is that from that, that early morning time to where you can listen from, you know, say 6 to 6.40 to 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, most people can only cover, you know, a quarter mile, a half mile or anything like that to actually hear. But, uh, you know, I jump on that quiet cat and I go every morning before work and just go for a ride. And, I mean, I can cover miles and miles before they even get off the roost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is absolutely very beneficial and very key. 
especially if you're hunting a pretty big property that you have access that you can use it on. You know, I know some public land you can use a quiet cat or electric bike on if it's under like a certain wattage. Yeah. Um, which that's one of the reasons why that 750 watt is extremely popular with a lot of people. And then guys that, you know, have a big lease or a big family farm or, you know, a big property that they hunt as private, you know, that same thing could be very key to be able to get back in there very quickly and quietly and also be able to hear where you're riding on it. I'm, I'm guessing as long as you're not, you know, riding on gravel, I'm sure, you know, as long as you're not going, you know, you know, probably over 10 miles an hour, you probably can hear extremely well. On yeah. It. Um, so I can see that being key. You know, I can take off at 530 in the morning. And a lot of times I hear birds actually where I was before and, you know, just not having the noise or anything like that. I didn't ever get them to shut up or, you know, leave the roost there either. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, William, man, we appreciate it uh, for tuning in for this week's episode and uh, coming on here and re- representing Arkansas. And uh, definitely we're going to have to have you back on for a full-length episode yeah. uh, with you and uh, one of your guys from uh, Unguided because you guys President are too funny, Joe. man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so awesome, William. Well, good luck. Uh, do you have any other states you're going to be hitting? Are you actually going down to Mississippi or are you just trying to instigate some people? Man, I do not tell people where I'm hunting. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> well, man – Good luck if you do get out to any other states the rest of your season, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. All right, guys, and next on the line, we have our buddy, and now becoming a pure regular, uh, Jacob Emery from the Hunting Ground. What's going on, dude? What's going on, man? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you're you're the birthday boy today. I mean, I had my birthday on Monday. Your birthday's today. Look at this. Uh, It's birthday week. Here we go for the Jacobs. That's right. Oh man, okay, it's been a long day. We about to we about to kill this uh, Kentucky report. I'll tell you what, since you've already killed all the turkeys in Kentucky, it seems like if I if I don't, they're all gonna drown. So <laughs> yeah, they're dr- yeah they're drowning right now as we speak. All right, <laughs> so kind of jump into this first off uh, before I kind of jump in these questions, uh, I'll hit you with a curveball. Uh, kind of give us a uh, a overview of your first few days of the season and uh kind of how that went for you in a in a maybe a, a brief minute or so uh it went pretty pretty good uh my plan come right together uh opening morning on the two birds i had watched literally while i was talking to you on the start report last week um kind of had both of them come right in right beside me to the left um ended up having to pull a quick draw on them oh uh john wayne is what my granddad called it <laughs> uh killed <laughs> Killed that one open in the morning real real fast, and uh, sat, Sunday, I, I don't believe I even hunted. It was rainy and nasty, and uh, Monday after work, I went out for a little while, and I found the bird uh, that I killed on Tuesday. He was with over, I counted over 25 hens in the field with him, and he was by himself, and uh, all I had was a, a hen decoy, and he had seen it multiple times, you know, he just didn't care, and uh, I set up a game plan to go in the next morning with uh, my mojo scoot and shoot and i was gonna put it right to where i thought he would probably pitch down and I'm, i think he could probably see it from inside the woods he was roosted about 100 yards in the woods and uh, i waited and waited waiting for him to gobble right off the bat and as soon as he did i gobbled right back at him and you could tell his, his temperature just went through the roof and a bird hit the ground he gobbled one time uh when he flew down and the next time he gobbled he was 50 yards to my right coming in on string perfect perfect well that's uh Sounds like a heck of a hunt, I'll tell you that. Now, kind of jumping into this week's report, again, you know, you're representing the state of Kentucky, if anyone has not found out from us talking about that. Uh, Can I go over a little bit on gobbling activity, what you were seeing maybe with a little bit of your preseason scouting, but also what you were seeing during the season as you were hunting? Well, birds are pretty average on the gobbling for the most part. Saturday morning, uh, I actually didn't even hear the birds make a peep until they hit the ground. Um, 
but from you know a bunch of buddies that i've talked to everybody says that they're, they're talking pretty good still and that bird um that bird i found monday afternoon after work actually he was gobbling while i was doing my pre-hunt intro on camera while i was pulling my face mask up so that bird was even gobbling in the afternoon mm. awesome well kind of going to another part of the question from what you were seeing and hearing and i've, I've seen the video of your first bird you shot so I kind of have an idea what's going on, but from uh, what you were seeing and hearing, are the birds right now, are the toms pretty well hinned up? Are they flocked up right now? Or are they starting to kind of separate out where you get more lone birds? Man, it's just, it's so spotty. And I don't know what it really depends on, but the birds Saturday, you know, they had one hen with them. Um, and they had very few hens when I seen them the day before. And the one the other day, you know, he was walking around pimping with 25 plus, you know, I, I couldn't really keep, count of all of them they were everywhere so i i want to say that yeah they're still running around with hens but i say the next week week and a half it's it's going to be about that time to really catch them while they're lonely again yeah well too bad you don't have to worry about that you lucky dog so you know <laughs> kind of, yeah kind of going to the third question what is the food source like or is there any major food sources you know on these properties that you hunt on or is it pretty much they're just you know scratching for wherever they can get on i i think that's it uh I mean, the only thing I really noticed is, um, you know, just hitting the crop fields. Both the birds I killed were, uh, well, they were they were in close to a wheat field. They've been hitting the wheat fields for sure. And uh, kind of the, the place I killed the second one was a kind of a grown-up, like, grassy field, about maybe ankle high, but it had a lot of clover and whatnot in it. So I'm sure they were hitting that as well. All right. Well, kind of going to another question, what is uh, some tactics or tactic that work for you to kind of harvest or kind of – be able to tag out so quickly uh, with y'all season? Uh, just, I was very aggressive. I, I knew right from the bat with both these turkeys I killed, you know, um, when there's two of them together, most of the time you put out another, even a Jake or a, a, another Tom decoy, uh, it's going to send them over the bowling point. And especially a bird with multiple, multiple hens, uh, like the second one. Just, I was just being super aggressive and, going for the kill or i was gonna kill him or i was gonna scare him you know oh well i hear that i mean you sometimes you gotta be able to do that well kind of going to the the fifth and final question you know what's a tip you'd leave the listeners uh maybe someone that hasn't tagged out yet in uh, kentucky that uh maybe some advice you'd give them to maybe be able to make it happen maybe a little bit later in this season uh, i would say just be patient um like i mean i obviously just said i was being super aggressive but you know, all these birds, they're still in the swing of things. And if you give it a little time, them hens are really going to start leaving them soon. And them toms are going to be all alone. And they're going to be very vulnerable to calls uh, in this probably second half of everybody's season. Uh, anyway, I, that's just what I would say. Uh, just stick it out. Don't get discouraged. We've had a lot of really up and down weather here. It's been super rainy, wet. Uh, it's gotten down to the 30s in the last week. So don't give it up just yet. Just be patient and jump on any opportunity that you get when you find a lone bird. Awesome. Well, kind of fantastic. Now, uh, I know kind of wrap up this report. Uh, do you have any other states you're going to be hitting for the rest of the year, or are you done? What's it looking like for you? I am going to be heading to Tennessee this weekend, and I'm going to be very close to where I killed that big buck. Awesome. Well, dude. 
Uh, I say uh, best luck to you. Hopefully you can um, put a scare and maybe a hurting on some of those turkeys down there and uh, be able to bring one home, dude, especially with some of the storm coming through. I, I don't know how the weekend's looking up there for you. You know, but, I, uh, I think uh, I think this rain is a good thing, honestly. Uh, it's going to drive up. The last two days, nobody's really been able to hunt the public land around here or where I'm going. And uh, Saturday, it's even going to be cold Saturday morning. But when that sun gets out and them birds want to drive them feathers, Saturday afternoon and Sunday should be good because they'll be raring to go. Well, fantastic, man. Well, Jacob, uh, like always, we appreciate you coming on for the, this week's strut report. And uh, good luck in Tennessee this weekend. Hopefully, again, you put the hurting on one. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. And finally, last but not least, our favorite. Jared Lowe is on the phone. We're going to be representing Oklahoma, Alabama, and a little bit of Kentucky as well. Jared, what's going on, man? What's up, buddy? Dude, finally glad to have you on for this, uh, this really this season. Haven't had you on yet, which is kind of crazy, but it's been a crazy season, uh, a lot crazier than last year. So, been tied up, but man, it's finally good to get you on, have another Alabamian on that uh, is, does a lot of traveling out of state, which is always fun. It's going to be kind of the topic for this report. Uh, but man, let's kind of jump right into this. So, Again, you're going to be kind of covering three states, uh, mostly uh, Alabama or mostly Oklahoma and Kentucky. Been dabbling a little bit in Alabama lately, but you've been traveling quite a bit. Uh, you know, what's some of the gobbling activity you've been seeing and hearing, uh, especially when you're out in Oklahoma last week, along with a uh, opener for Kentucky? Mm, yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> so we last week we were in Oklahoma for a couple of days, and you know the weather was was marginal at best. But, um, you know, as a whole, it was, it was pretty good. Um, the, the pressure was, was up. Um, you know, we, we had to deal with a lot of pressure. So I'm I'm sure that, 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 um, obviously directly affects gobbling, but at the end of the day, we, we still heard, you know, a good bit of gobbling and, and were successful. So, um, um, you know, uh, the, the, the gobblers seemed to be slightly hand up. Um, but, but nevertheless, we were able to yank gobbles out of them. All right, perfect. Now, another thing we didn't state, but, you know, you were hunting publicly in both in Oklahoma and Kentucky, just right. for any of our listeners out there. So talking about pressure, talking about hunting pressure. Uh, now, was Kentucky any different for you? Well, it was opening day in Kentucky, so, um, you know, we had the benefit of, of getting out there. Um, not necessarily ahead of everybody else, but at least with everybody else. <laughs> so. Um, the, the goblin proportional to the pressure and, and, um, Kentucky was really good. I mean, we, we hunted a, a, a highly sought after WMA, um, on the uh, east side of the state. And, um, we heard a lot of turkey gobble, uh, a lot of turkey gobble, probably as many turkeys as I've ever heard gobble on the land. Um, so as far as goblin goes, um, it was a, it was a really good week. All right. Well, you know, kind of getting into, uh, you know, another question talking about hand up and, and flocked up. I know you kind of touched on that a little bit about Oklahoma, but, you know, was that a factor at all in either one of those states? And uh, also, have you seen anything change in Alabama over the last few weeks? I know you've been traveling quite a bit, but, you know, I know you got out this morning. Has anything changed with, uh, you know, your Alabama flocks? Um, I would say as far as Alabama goes, I mean, you're, you're still seeing a, a, um, a lot of gobblers, with hens i think the, the general consensus and i I'm, i believe it as well is that there there are a lot of turkeys in the woods a lot of young turkeys uh, we had a really good hatch last year um and and so there are a lot of jennies in the woods and and 
and a lot of those turkeys are, are, are with gobblers right now and are going to be with gobblers till the end of the season. Um, that's not to say there's not single gobblers walking around the woods because there is, but, um, yeah, I mean, as a whole, that's, that's, um, that's what you're seeing. Um, I, I do think that, that the, the, you know, the, the, the hands of gobblers that's been alleviated, um, over the past couple of weeks, but, um, um, you know, as we get on into the season, it'll get a little better. But, you know, I, I still think you're going to continue to see hands with gobblers through April 30th. Now, was uh, Oklahoma or Kentucky an issue at all with uh, having birds flocked up or, or hinned up at the time you were out there? Um, they were hinned up, but the gobblers were, were well busted up, and we were, we were still able to find um, single turkeys. Um, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, we had to hunt hard, but we were still able to find gobblers without hands. And okay, no. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, kind of going from that, you know, it seems like the consensus we've heard from quite a few guys is, you know, that they're they're finding birds. They're separated. At least the gobblers are. They might have a couple of hens with them, but you're still able to kill them just because they're kind of leaving those hens after a little while, or you can maybe get one right off the roost uh, right when they pitch down. So. You know, kind of touched on another question, which is, you know, major food sources. When you were out in Oklahoma and Kentucky, was there anything that you saw after, the, you know, the days you were out there that those turkeys were actually, you know, kind of focused on as a major food source? Uh, or is it still pretty much just, you know, general scratch, you know, just kind of go where they can, and there's not necessarily a major food source that they were actually going after, like whether it's ag or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I think as you get later into the season, that's, that's less and less a factor. I mean, every turkey that we killed was in timber. Um and 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 they were um, um, feeding on whatever they could, but, but obviously there's there's more and more foliage, and and as things start start to bud out, that's that's less of a factor um, um, to be able to find them. All right, now kind of going into tactics, uh, when you, when you guys are out again hunting public land, both in Oklahoma and um, Kentucky, is there any tactics that you guys are using out there that you can kind of say that hey, you know this probably definitely helped us be a little more successful um and if so kind of break that down for us uh, well <clears throat> you know i think the the most important thing to being successful out of state is is um to do homework and be resourceful i mean if 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 you're going to you hunt a, a particular wma um you know once you decide to to hunt that particular spot you need to um, do your homework, um, have, you know, multiple places, um, you know, kind of lined out where, where, Hey, you know, if you're not finding turkeys here, I can go here, 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 and here and hunt hard. Um, you know, we're obviously if, 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 when you're hunting these places, you're less familiar with, with those areas than you are your home turf. Um, so doing your homework and, and just <clears throat> finding, Having multiple options, talking to biologists—I mean, uh, you know—all that's important. Um, so, as far as tactics, like I, I don't really think your your tactics change. Um, I, I think you need to be more proactive in finding turkeys than maybe you would if you're if you're hunting, you know, your home ground. Yeah. Now, you know, kind of going maybe diving a little bit deeper into like the whole scouting air thing, especially you know if you're going out of state, which I know this is a topic a lot of guys are interested in, is. You know, hey, if I tag out, uh, especially in some of these, you know, states like, say, Kentucky, they only get two birds. Uh, you know, maybe I'll, they want to hunt another state. Maybe they want to go to Tennessee and Missouri or, you know, somewhere else. 
you know, what would you give them advice for, uh, you know, hunting out of state? You know, this kind of, we can kind of round this over to uh, the fifth question, which is what tip you'd give them. You know, what tip would you give to somebody looking to go out of state, maybe for their first time ever for turkeys, uh, when it comes to maybe like trying to find the right property, what to really look for uh, when scouting and really what would make sense logistically for somebody maybe for their first trip? Yeah. Um, well, everybody wants to be successful, right? So, um, it, you know, I personally am, am looking to, to, at some point, kill a turkey in every state. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, at certain areas and, and, and just making it work logistically. And, and um, you know, if, if time only allows us to hunt, you know, on the east side of Oklahoma versus the west side of Oklahoma, then so be it. I mean, we, we all have or, or most of us have balanced lifestyles and, and we can only we can only do logistically what makes sense. So, you know, I, um, as far as somebody that's hunting out of state for the first time, I mean, you want to be successful. Um, um, I, I would th- there are some states that are better than others. You know, uh, Nebraska is better than New Hampshire. Uh, Tennessee is better than Arizona. So, I mean, you, you want to go somewhere that, that makes sense and you, and you think you can be successful. And, um, again, like I would, I would just really, um, lean on, um, all the resources that you have. I would call biologists. Um, I would, um, do as much research on, on WMAs and look at, um, harvest records from the year before um you know kentucky for example you know there are three or four wmas that consistently kill the most turkeys well there's a pretty good chance you're going to have success on those wmas if if that's where you go or at least you're going to be in in good turkey densities so i mean you know common sense and then again just logistically what what makes sense in each case um um you know works for me so um yeah that's uh that's uh, um, teach his own, but but um, I would uh, I would definitely um, do as much research as possible. Now, when it comes to like hunting out of state, maybe someone wants to, you know, hunt a different subspecies of turkey. Uh, maybe they just want to have a different experience. Maybe they live, you know, say, I'll give an example. Someone lives in Alabama. You know, they've hunted easterns their whole life. Maybe they want to go to kill a Rio or kill a Merriam or anything like that. Uh, is, is there any is there anything that's you know drastically different from hunting a eastern to a Rio or a Miriam from what you've seen in the past from you know experience uh, that someone should be prepared for? Or is it pretty much like any other turkey? You go hunt out there, you just got to play his game and try to be able to get in there and uh, you know kill him on his own turf. To me, the the hardest part about killing turkeys out of state is is knowing where turkeys are i mean for me like growing up in alabama and south alabama especially i mean you, you can look at an aerial map and in in a in a in a big plantation and find a, a, a good pretty hardwood drain and you you know there's probably a turkey there like that's not the case out of state especially when you start hunting Merriams and rios um um you know scouting from above is 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 not always um the best way to scout i mean there's several times i've been out of state especially in i don't know i'll just use south dakota for instance i mean there are a lot of turkeys in south dakota in places but it's patchy and 
you know, you, you, you look and you find these places that you're like, man, that, you know, there's definitely turkeys there. Um, gotta be. And then you get there and you, you go two days and you never hear a gobble. Um, so, uh, you know, the, I think the difference is you have to do research. You have to talk to biologists. You, you, um, you know, have to, have to, um, look at previous harvest records from these WMAs and just, and, and know that there are turkeys there. To me, the ultimate battle is, is finding the turkeys. Once you find turkeys, um, then of course, um, you know, um, I think, I think most of us, or good enough turkey hunters that we can eventually kill one. But for me, out of state, the hardest part is just finding the turkeys. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And again, just finding turkeys. I've heard people go out west and struggle like a buddy of mine, uh, Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV. He did a, uh, like a northwest tour last year. And I went to like, uh, it was, let's see, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and Northern California. And uh, a couple of states, he, he just couldn't find turkeys. You know, he, he thought it looked like turkey habitat. And uh, he talked to landowners and stuff, and they're like, oh, there's turkeys out here, and just couldn't find them. Uh, and in other states, it was, you know, hot on money just because, you know, like you said, you can find a pocket of them. And then once you're in them, you're in them. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I think that's a really good point that just because, you know, they say, like, you know, out west, just because you find water, does it always probably mean that there's turkeys there? Uh, especially when you're talking, you know, Rios, um, you know, talking like Kansas, western Oklahoma. Maybe go up in Nebraska is kind of the same thing, but yeah, that's a good point. Now, uh, Jared uh, kind of finishes up. Uh, what's left on your agenda for this year uh, when it comes to hunts? Uh, well, so obviously we have a couple of weeks left in Alabama, and, and we want to take advantage of that. Um, we've had we've had a good year so far here. Um, we we did Mississippi early season, and and um, we and when I say we, I mean my wife and I, Cantrell. Um, but uh, we did Mississippi early season. We were successful. Uh, we did Oklahoma. We did Kentucky. Um, coming up, it's, it's still kind of up in the air, but uh, we've still got another tag we need to fill in Kentucky. Um, we're going to do Iowa. We're going to um, do a muzzle loader in Iowa, um, and more than likely. Uh, we're going to do Utah, Oregon, and Michigan to close out the year. That is awesome. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're excited about that and and um, still working on the logistics and, and trying to work all that in and doing our homework to try to find turkeys. Yep. Um, well, well, that's why you're the guy to talk to about that because you have plenty of experience, and especially you know hunting that many states with that many different trains and Again, subspecies turkeys you're chasing, it's all different. So uh, that, that all turn out to be a pretty cool trip, especially, you know, be able to hunt until, I mean, possibly, like, are you going to be able to get to June or are you pretty much just get to the end, uh, end of May? Well, you know, I always said that after hunting Maine last year, so I'll, I'll always end in Maine so I can hunt into June. And uh, this year is kind of the exception because Maine goes out, if I'm not mistaken, June 1. So we would only be getting an extra day. Um, Oregon, Utah, and Michigan, the states I just named, go through the end of May. Uh, so if uh, I, I doubt I fly to Maine just to hunt one day. But who knows? I may. We'll see. <laughs> gotcha. Well, hey, I, I hear that. Well, uh, hopefully, man, you can have some uh, awesome success, especially yeah. uh, be able to finish out in Alabama and then be able to hit all these other states and uh, have a good time with it. So, Jared, like always, man, we appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, have a great rest of your season. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to y'all. 
Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.